Welcome to the Emerging Voices podcast, where we get to talk with people using new platforms to promote their musical work or to people who are new to the field. I'm your host, Claire, and today's episode marks not only our first episode ever, but also the first in our series on public music scholarship. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Tegan Ridge, a master's student in musicology who also writes her own blog on trash film music. In today's episode, we'll talk about how Tegan came to start a blog, why it constitutes as public music scholarship, and more. Without further ado, here's Tegan. So, this feels so formal. But it thank feels you like for... a job interview, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? It feels really weird, but thank you for coming on the podcast. <laughs> well, thank you so much for inviting me. Well, why don't we just start, you can tell me a bit about yourself, um, just like what you do for the listeners at home. <laughs> Absolutely. So my name is Tegan Ridge, and I'm a second year master's student here at the University of Toronto. I'm very interested in researching media and film um, and music. Of course. <laughs> um, and this summer I started my blog, Trash Film Scores, where I look at um, a lot of cult film, a lot of bad movie, and I highlight the music that is featured in these films. Mm-hmm. So I've, uh, I've written about Cats, uh, I've written about John Waters, because uh, Pink Flamingos, one of his films, like probably his most iconic film, was taken up by the Criterion Collection, which is like a very kind of fancy DVD um, mm-hmm. uh, production company. So yeah, a lot of weird and wonderful stuff. That's awesome. Do you want to talk like a little bit more about your blog? Um, whatever you'd like to talk about, like any specifics or just like a little elevator pitch? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um... Trash Film Scores, as I said, was born this summer, and it was um, really inspired by my desire to combine two areas of passion, um, cult film and Western art music. And these seem like pretty disparate categories, and I, I'm aware of that. <laughs> um, and I would also argue that um, the production methods of uh, uh, a lot of cult film meant they didn't have budget for a freshly composed soundtrack. So a lot of um, a lot of these movies actually do use Western art music. So a lot of my um, introduction and my experience with the kind of music that I'm interested in performing as a pianist and stuff, um, I was introduced to through pretty schlocky movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I just think it's really, really interesting, and I feel like there's not a lot of conversation about that presently mm-hmm. um, in musicology. There is in film studies, um, and I am hopeful that I can start to close the gap between these disciplines and bring them closer together. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm wondering how you decided to start a blog, like as opposed to other mediums. Um, like, do you enjoy, particularly enjoy writing? I do. Or, okay, that makes sense. But... <laughs> yeah, I really like to write. Um, and I read a lot of blog posts, and I read a lot of um, articles, you know, that are posted on Medium from independent people, a lot of kind of op-ed works. Um, so I'm really inspired by a lot of the, the kind of research that I read online, and this, these, like, very, very well-done analytical pieces. Because um, um, people will just upload, like, film analyses or score analyses now. Um, and, and people that are 
like outside of academia too, but are interested and have spent time, you know, reading these kinds of materials, mm -hmm. watching these films, listening to these kinds of musics. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when you write a blog post, mm -hmm. do you have a certain format in mind that you, like, typically follow for each post? Um, or, like, a specific approach, I guess? Um, well, approach and, I guess, form are kind of different things, because my research and writing processes are pretty chaotic. I know some people are very methodical, and they will have exact headers and topics that they mm -hmm. want to research, and they will go out and they'll get their quotations and insert them where they feel that they should go and mm -hmm. you know Bob's Bob's your uncle uh I'm not like that <laughs> um so my process uh involves a lot more kind of I guess free reading and unstructured writing and then I will go back in and um tidy things up mm -hmm. and and uh then do the header kind of section yeah. um so my, my work generally starts by noticing something in a film or a grouping of films that I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, and then I will research how other people have spoken about the movie, um, either in like popular contexts, because the popular sphere moves a lot faster than academia. Mm -hmm. um, so conversations will emerge on Google generally before they do it like in our library catalog. Yeah. Um, so I will research that kind of discourse first, and then I turn to um, more a standard kind of um, academia, I suppose, or scholarship. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to, I like to, I guess, make um, kind of mini essays, yeah. but in a way that I think um, is more approachable and kind of like avoids the academies and mm -hmm. is hopefully, I think, sometimes funny. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, like the whole premise behind public music scholarship. So just like very accessible and also especially interesting to to different audiences without all that jargon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what also why I was interested in, in a blog. Um, I was really interested in being able to kind of build communities and also have like a textural mm -hmm. record. Um, because, you know... I've, as a as a junior academic, you know, I, I do want to be cited one day. <laughs> um, um, but if people cite my blog posts, you know, I think that that's wonderful too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever, this is going a little bit off track, but just going along with the flow. Um, yeah, of course. Um, have you ever thought about, like, possibly one day converting your blog posts into, like, a more, like, a more formal paper, like, with an academic tone? Um, what I've found is normally the reverse happens. So generally I will, um, or I have in the past at least, uh, taken ideas that I have explored in academic writing, um, and then as like films come out by directors that I've studied, mm -hmm. I will take the things that I've learned previously and repackage them for a different audience. Mm -hmm. um, for example, I, I during my undergraduate, I um, wrote about Jordan Peele's Us and uh, Get Out, um, and really and uh, his uh, his work with Michael Abels, um, and uh, they just released a, a film over the summer uh, called Nope. So mm -hmm. I was able to extend what I had learned um, into Nope, <laughs> nice. which was really really cool. Mm -hmm. And it's a it's a really fantastic movie if you're into like 
horror, but funny horror. Um, yeah, Jordan mm -hmm. Peele is very, very good at blending tone. Mm -hmm. um, and Abel's, Abel's is just a wonderful composer. So, mm -hmm. yeah, he, he was okay. actually like a, like a concert composer before he got into film, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this, I don't know if I'll keep this in, but this is my own curiosity. Would you say that, yeah. like, Nope is a good introduction to horror because it, like, has that humorous element? I think so. Okay. Like, if, if you're, like, a nervous kind of mm -hmm. film watcher, yeah, it absolutely helps because it buffers that kind of... Mm -hmm. It helps break up that feeling of fear that I think a lot of people don't like. Yeah. Um, so I would say if you're going to start with... If you're going to go to Jordan Peele's kind of oeuvre to um, delve into horror, I would start with either Nope or I would start with Get Out. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people found Get Out very funny, um, but Peele kind of argued it wasn't a comedy, it's a horror. But it, it's, I don't know, <laughs> he, he, he's from Key and Peele. Like, he just has a way of directing people. Um, and one of the characters is... Fantastic, and it becomes quite meta for um, horror fans too, and it be kind of becomes impossible to not mm -hmm. giggle at times. I think. Yeah. yeah, interesting. It's such like an interesting genre too, because as soon as you take out, I mean, with any film, but I feel like especially with horror, there's so much emphasis on the music. Like as soon as you take away all that tension in the music, it's like, and you're just watching nothing. It's yeah. like doesn't seem as scary all of a sudden so yeah absolutely. it's so interesting so there is a story about um halloween actually um it's a john carpenter movie um and apparently the first version of the score that they had was not good it did not work for the horror genre um and people were kind of like laughing at the the film actually because it was that comedic i i believe um, so Carpenter ended up having to rescore the movie himself, which is how we ended up with that do 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 I'm not a singer. I apologize <laughs> to everyone listening. Um, but that very iconic Halloween theme uh, was birthed essentially because somebody else messed up and kind of missed the oh. mark. Yeah, but they found that this like very simple repeated motif was incredibly effective yeah. at spooking people. And now, like, you hear it at haunted houses, you yeah. hear it in remixes, like, it's it's everywhere. Yeah. Wow, maybe I'll have to find, like, some some intro music that goes with, like, what we're talking about, I, and we'll see. That <laughs> but that'd be, be really, really fun. fun. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I was wondering... Um, how you visualize like your blog contributing to public music scholarship and um, like how you think it will be important or like what your vision is for its future. Um, yeah, that kind of direction. Ooh, that's a, that's a, a big one and that's very interesting. Um, I suppose the biggest thing that I see happening right now um, in terms of my blog and its kind of relevance and what I'd like to do is um, I am noticing that there is a general societal trend that is picking up um, trash aesthetics kind of broadly conceived. Um, so you'll see like there's a signage that looks like it's handwritten or music that sounds like it's produced in someone's basement. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm 
trying to think of other examples. Um, I don't know, the literal, the chip bag that Balenciaga just released. I don't know if you saw that purse. It's a purse yeah. that looks like a Lay's bag, but it costs like $2,000. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's there's a lot of this interest in this kind of aesthetic movement um, mm -hmm. at this point in time. And I'm very interested in documenting the musical side of that and uh, actually tracing these roots back into the 20th century. Um, because in my opinion, these kinds of um, absurdist and... Uh, um, I will just say like absurdist kind of approaches um, really began in the early 20th century, potentially even the late 19th century, but I can't say for sure at this point. Um, but I think notably of like the work of Duchamp uh, uh, and his work The Fountain, which was literally just a urinal that he submitted to an art competition. Uh, I think um, also of, for example, um, Paul Hindemith's, what was it called? Um, it was a Wagner piece, but like played badly by the village orchestra at the well at 7 a.m. And it's just a reorchestration of um, uh, Wagner music, but quote unquote badly played. Yeah. Like it's supposed to be, it's supposed to sound like an amateur orchestra doing their best and maybe mm -hmm. they're a little bit hungover. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, these kinds of aesthetic roots that are coming to the fore and that we're really seeing being taken up now. Mm -hmm extend backward quite a long period yeah. and I'm very interested in tracing those connections mm -hmm. and um, potentially offering ex not necessarily explanations but contexts for what we're seeing today mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I guess maybe extending into the future as well yeah so I think we're yeah. gonna see a lot more um, of these kinds of trash aesthetics as we move forward, particularly mm -hmm. as things become continually corporatized. Um, another thing that I've noticed in this kind of advertising and uh, media climate um, is some people are going for a kind of, kind of very local impression as well. Mm -hmm. uh, this just came to mind, but I've been receiving um, like advertisements from real estate agents and things that mm -hmm. are supposed to look handwritten. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, which is very different. You think uh, mm -hmm. when you think of like these kind of like very clean like vector art yeah. um, logos that we're kind of inundated with right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. Interesting. I yeah. think it's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like starting the project? Like, um, even if you want to talk about like the technical aspects of like starting a blog and like just becoming familiar with like a new platform or like a new yeah yeah just a new way of producing content absolutely so um my my writing was pretty similar and I was very interested in um intermedial writing so I like including images even mm -hmm. in my academic essays um I think I'm a very visual thinker and I, I find it helpful to use these kinds of references so that wasn't a, a very big deal for me um the biggest challenge was learning the platform mm -hmm. um and for that, I was really fortunate to have access to a three-day workshop here at the university mm -hmm. uh, that worked up, walked us through setting up a WordPress site, like, step by step, and the technicalities of the mm -hmm. platform. Um, and, I mean, things are intuitive now. It's not like when I was younger and you would try to open a GeoCities website and you would have to actually know how to do some HTML coding and mm -hmm. things. Um, 
but there are a lot of options mm -hmm. and it be it's very easy to become overwhelmed and it's also i found surprisingly easy to break your own website oh okay <laughs> <laughs> just a heads up um but it's also like pretty easy to undo these things and copy text over if mm -hmm. if things go catastrophically wrong <laughs> yeah that's true i guess the good or the the best part about posting on posting writing on like a blog or even on like a different social media platform so you can like go back and revise yeah. instead of like publishing an academic work and it's out there sending it out <laughs> for everyone to read yeah yeah I find that really appealing too because with blogging um as we've discussed like in our course um, um and with any kind of public scholarship really it's it's very dependent on the news cycle so you have to be ready to go and you have to be ready to go quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't necessarily have time to formulate an academic paper the way you normally would. Mm -hmm. um, so I always get, I'm a very careful writer and researcher, so I do get nervous about, oh no, what if I say something that's incorrect? Yeah. Or what if I make an error? Or what if I get this date incorrect? Or, or what have you. Um, but you can edit and mm -hmm. you can revise. And, you know, if I decide, you know, in five years that I don't believe in what I was arguing five years prior, I can amend that and say, wait, no, what I was talking mm -hmm. about, that I was barking up the wrong tree. This is what I think now. Yeah. Um, so I guess in that way, it becomes very personal. It almost becomes like a record of one's own thoughts, mm -hmm. um, which is really engaging and I think it's an important as a as a researcher and someone who wants to engage really intensely with a field mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to work through those issues mm -hmm. yeah. yeah engaging with a field and I feel like engaging with a specific academic that you particularly like or like a colleague you are <laughs> you know you want to know more and I think that's kind of the beauty in it too is like social media and not even just like the typical platforms we think of like Instagram or mm -hmm. now TikTok is so big, but yeah. I feel like social media, like just media in general is getting so personal. Um, and everybody wants to know like people like so intimately and it's so interesting, like with this whole like vlog culture that's going on, mm. like just like vlogging the day to day or like doing a podcast where you're just in conversation with someone yeah. or like being able to write a blog post about, um, film scores is just like it's you get to know someone's writing style you get to know their personality and it's so interesting mm -hmm. and I personally really like it because I find it much more accessible and yeah. I feel like I shouldn't be saying this on the mic but interesting it's a lot more interesting to me when I feel like there's a person behind the writing or the content yeah. instead of just someone who uses big words <laughs> yeah yeah so um controversial I tend to agree <laughs> um and I think like I think I read like I like reading academia but I read academia and I read those kinds of like very um I want to say almost scientific like approaches um and I think they absolutely serve a purpose. Um, and I, I, I turn a lot to these kinds of sources and like meta discourse within those texts even um, when I have to research. Mm -hmm. And I think they're great at doing that, like conveying as much information as they can in as mm -hmm. short a text as possible. 
um, and in a way that is structured and or sorry and presenting it in a way that is structured that is predictable and familiar mm-hmm. um, so I think that those are like they, it serves a purpose mm-hmm. absolutely for sure um, and I conversely I, I find uh, like a lot of the ethno texts that we've been reading recently okay so yes and like okay so I'm taking another class right now mm-hmm. um, and in that class, we're doing, they're still academic texts, mm-hmm. but they're written in a manner that is much more narrative. Yeah. Um, and I can't read them as quickly as I can the other uh, kind of more academic-oriented texts oh, because okay. they're, the, the form is different. Yeah. Um, so I find that I have to read, like, every single paragraph, otherwise I get very lost, mm. which means I have to spend a lot more time with the texts. Mm-hmm. So while it's enjoyable, it's also kind of inefficient, mm-hmm. especially when you're worrying about final papers. Yeah. Um, so there's pros and cons to both, both mm-hmm. styles of writing, Yeah. I think. Yeah. For sure. Do you find, or where was I going with this? I was wondering what differences you find between like your academic writing that you're doing for a course or hopefully to publish somewhere or, you know, like in, in academics in general versus, um, versus like on your blog or elsewhere that you Mm -hmm. like to contribute if you do. (laughs) Um, well, my writing on my blog is a little bit more vulgar, (laughs) um, I can use rude words, um, and as a trash film fan, that is something that appeals to me about, like, mm-hmm. the very aesthetics of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like these kinds of, uh, I don't want to say, like, necessarily off-color, but cheeky kind of senses mm-hmm. of humor. Um, so I, I like being able to incorporate that into my work, um, mm-hmm. whereas in academia, um, that kind of um, irreverence is not generally present mm-hmm. often because I don't have space <laughs> um mm-hmm. you know if you're writing an eight page paper yeah it's it's hard to um fit a lot of prose into that mm-hmm. um so you end up in a position where you kind of have to very much focus on like sense of humor mm-hmm. big one um and you also have to be I find more careful about explaining any kind of theory mm-hmm. um, or jargon when you're writing a blog post um, so that I will use more kind of clarifying sentences um, and just to make sure that everybody has the same kind of knowledge yeah um, yeah and mm-hmm. citations are different right you know like Definitely. blogs don't use CMOS <laughs> yeah that must be nice it is nice it's so <laughs> a nice lot to just more like quick. Yeah, mm-hmm. it saves so much time. Yeah, honestly, being able to hyperlink directly to something. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, I guess then. Hmm, I wonder if you would have to cite a like physical source. This is my own pondering. So this may not make it in, but yeah, I don't know when. I can't think of an example of when you would have to do that. But I mean. You could. You absolutely could. Like, if it's something that's integral to your research. Um, when I do my um, blog writing, I do like to find things that are available online. Even, mm-hmm. like, and preferably not paywalled as well. Yeah. Like, I, I like to make sure that pretty much anyone who has access to the blog would have access to the sources that I, I write. Uh, yeah. Or, sorry, the sources that I use. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not always possible. Um, and in that case, I, I like to at least include like a DOI mm-hmm. or let people know where they could go to access this information. Yeah. 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 
Interesting. It's very, yeah, I love how accessible it is because, you know, not everyone can access certain like databases that we get from the university, even though yeah. they are online. I always think of online as like, no barriers, let's go. Yeah. But it is actually. But yeah, like, like if you have like a, a JSTOR um, account that's through like a personal account and mm -hmm. not one that's through an institution, I believe, or I used to be limited to three downloads a month. Wow. Yeah, so mm -hmm. like that's not a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can yeah. do that in a in an afternoon very easily. Yeah, I well, especially that. if you're reading a blog post that cites three JSTOR articles. Exactly, and then you're just done. Like, that's your quota for the month. You're like, all right, I've hit my blog post. That's it. I can't read anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that'd be sad. What would you your advice be, or what would you say to someone who is also hoping to start um, maybe a blog or just like a public music scholarship project in general? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> and don't worry about how pretty or polished it is. Um, I think I think blogging should really be like for academics should really be about working out one's own thoughts um, and trying to create like a small little community if one can. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just just dive in mm -hmm. and don't be stressed out by, you know, making sure that you have beautiful graphics or yeah. a logo or visual content, you know, mm -hmm. like if you prefer to just write, you can do that. If you want to do a vlog and just talk into a webcam for 10 minutes, you know, mm -hmm. that can be very helpful. And, and you can communicate with people and find an audience that way, too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, my my ultimate advice is don't think about it and do it because I sat on this for like a year mm -hmm. and that was a year that I could have been writing true yeah a lot of blog posts yeah yeah well they're coming now so that's all that matters <laughs> <laughs> yeah um okay how has this project shaped you and how do you hope that it will shape others Ooh, it's like a, a really tough question, question. <laughs> yeah I think I'd like to address the second half of that question. So in terms of how it shapes others, I just hope that it would make people more attentive to their listening experiences, um, and not just of film, but in everyday life, mm -hmm. um, becoming attentive to what is going on and what is being communicated, what is not being communicated. Mm -hmm. um, and I also hope that I can honestly just share and build a little bit of community around something that I thought was pretty niche um, mm -hmm. but also seems to have uh, quite a lot of interest mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome yeah okay last this is not a question but why don't you shout out your blog or anything else <laughs> you would like to like shout out like any personal media if you want people to find you there for all the listeners yeah, if you want to check out my blog, uh, you can go onto the Googs and check out uh, Trash Film Scores, and it is a WordPress site. It is written by me, Tegan Rich, and I think it's pretty rad, and I would love <laughs> to hear your thoughts on some of these posts. Nice. If you listen to this podcast, you should leave a comment on a blog post so that yeah. Tegan knows that you, you heard her online, heard her voice instead of her <gasps> writing. Yes. Mm. I do have one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you so much for talking with me today and telling us about your blog. And I will link it in the show notes. And yeah, thank you for chatting with us today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Claire. 
once again to Tegan for joining me today. I really enjoyed our discussion and I hope you did too. If you're interested in learning more about Tegan's work, be sure to check out the show notes where I've linked Tegan's blog, Trash Film Scores. This was only our first episode in our series on public music scholarship and there are still two more to come. Our next episodes are just as exciting as this one, so make sure to stay tuned for more great discussion. Thanks for tuning in today, and I hope to see you next time for the Emerging Voices podcast.